0: Higgledy History Hotchpot with Alex Diamond and Dave Crowley. Hello and welcome to the Higgledy Piggledy History Hotchpot, the podcast that enjoys poetry, moonlight strolls along the shore and poking dead things with a stick. I'm Dave Rattlehead Crowley, amateur history nerd, and I'm joined as ever by a man whose appetite for knowledge is matched only by his appetite for garlic, chilli, chicken, History scholar Alex Darth Diamond.
1: <laughs> Hello there, Dave. How are we, sir? Uh, I'm looking forward to my midweek garlic chili chicken. Did
0: you say you've marked your calendar basically by the how many days till the next curry?
1: Yeah, yeah. Essentially, I'm a creature of habit, and I like to have it every week. <laughs> okay, right. And tonight we're going local.
0: As we're going to take a look at the real gangs <laughs> that inspired the TV series Peaky Blinders, and ask the question: the real Peaky Blinders—sartorially sensational social warriors or just a bunch of brummy bandits? See, I got it. I got it first time. You did,
1: and I—I I, well, I didn't even come up with that. That was all from <laughs> Dave's mind. So you know, he's—he's uh, he's punishing himself now. <sighs>
0: Right. no one would have known that I was going to struggle with that if I hadn't said anything. No, no. <laughs> so, let's, let's go. So, I mean, we ought to start, I suppose, with with the TV show
1: itself because I mean it's such a, a phenomenon. So, have you have you seen it? I have watched it. I can't say I've watched everything. I don't think I'm up to date. I know I know they're filming the last season right now as we speak, aren't they? Um, but I certainly watched it from the beginning back in 2013 when it when it first aired. And yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, I've, I've watched a few seasons of it. I think it's well filmed, it's atmospheric, It, you know, and also from a perspective of a Brummie, I think it's quite nice to have a show made about Birmingham and, you know, it's attracted interest in, in the history of Birmingham and the surrounding districts.
0: This is going to make me sound like a real pedant there. I watched the first season. Okay. And I got about halfway through the second season and I had to stop. Right, and th- the reason I had to stop is the accents.
1: The accents, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, Killian Murphy, fine. Uh, his his accents a bit up and down, but fine. But some of them, it, it's just like—is this some sort of comedy pantomime accent that they're doing? Because <laughs> they, they, they 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 seem to think that. You know they they they're in character. They just sound ridiculous, and they say things in ways that a black country and brummy folk just wouldn't. And I right. know it makes it it's it's the problems not with them. It's it's massively popular, and people love it. The problems with me, but I just right. I had to stop because it was just making me angry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I must admit that never occurred to me. But then, uh, I'm not a born brummy. So I've come you know, I've come into Birmingham. I adopted Birmingham as my city at uh, considering I was born elsewhere. And and the accents thing, yeah, it didn't occur to me. Like some of them I thought, oh, that's a bit iffy. As you say, it's it's as though they're doing uh, a pantomime sort of gimmicky accent. Like whenever you say, I'm from Birmingham, people go, I'm from Birmingham. Oh, you know, yes, yeah. So there yeah. might have been there might have been a bit of that, but um uh, I, yeah, it certainly didn't it certainly didn't ruin it for me. But uh, I can't say I kept up with it, and um, I should go back to it and watch it. Um, so the, the problems entirely with
0: been my, my my wife loves it; she okay. absolutely loves yeah, it. My, yeah, mom, yeah. my mom and dad, who are Brummies, born and bred, they love it. Um, it's 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 clearly my issue, and no one else's. But uh, the, what I'd watched the the first season before it really started to grate on me, I thought it was um, it was well done, well written, and yeah, uh, yeah. You know, And as you say, it was nice to see, albeit for criminal reasons, but nice to see (laughs) Birmingham at the forefront of something rather than every other series, which seems to be set in Piggy in London.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, And and I think the Peaky Blinders series does go, it sort of goes around the country a bit because in the end, they end up going to London and, and tried to make inroads into the criminal underworld there. Um, but yeah, it's it's a show about about Brummies and 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 people from the surrounding areas, which I, which I think is quite cool. Um, but but I suppose we should also say that the TV show is only very very loosely based on the historical gang called the very, Peaky Blinders. Very yeah. loosely based. <laughs> because, I mean,
0: that's th- pre- yeah, the, the, the I mean, the Peaky Blinders were one of many nationwide gangs in this period but we should state here that as in the show it, it's it's post world war 1
1: yeah so it's set in the interwar period in the 20s and in the early 30s i think
0: but but um, the actual the peaky
1: blinders themselves like many of these gangs were late 19th century pre war yeah. rather than post yeah they were active in the 1890s basically and, and a little bit in in the early 20th century but yeah that the, they had long since disappeared by the by the time of the great war
0: and a lot of this can be traced back to the um, changes in uh, law regarding uh, child labour in the, the mid-19th century.
1: Yeah, so we should, we should probably yeah talk about the sort of origins of this gang culture, really, that, that come... Um, these gangs emerge in the middle of the 19th century in Britain, and it's not just a brummy thing. It's sort of all over. It's, as you said... Um, post-industrial revolution all across the 19th century and indeed beyond we have governments trying to regulate how much children should be working so child labor or anti-child labor laws um and and yeah so progressively you know children are working less and less but they are still working um but basically yeah through all sorts of reasons economic hardship um you, you you get youth gangs um, start to emerge. Gambling is very common um, and you've got youths basically organising street fights, pickpocketing, things like this, robbing people. Uh, and and so that's really when it starts to emerge in, in the mid-19th century and And police start to try and crack down. Again, uh, the police as an institution is only uh, very young because that only comes in with, with Robert Peel in the early 19th century. Um And when police start to crack down on, you know, youth delinquency, uh, they begin to form themselves into gangs and they fight back. I think they're known as slogging gangs, um, according to one historian of this subject.
0: Which just makes me think think of cricket or rags. I know, yeah,
1: go for a slog, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, they were apparently known as slogging gangs um, and they were typically composed of family members and neighbours, and they fought with the police. They they assaulted members of the public and robbed them. Um, all good stuff, really. Yeah, all good working-class stock. <laughs> but I'm really telling
0: you, it's only sort of a, a generation or so before. You know, these would have been rural folk picking uh, crops and, and, and yeah. that sort of thing. And they've obviously come to cities as part of the industrialization and, you know, find themselves rather than the land of milk and honey, they're living in appalling conditions,
1: even yeah, for the times. I think that's right, and it's no coincidence, therefore, that they come in places like Birmingham and, and Manchester. I mean, you, you you raised to me, Dave, the, uh, the the fact that some of these gangs start to adopt local names. Yes, yeah. and you you brought up the case of the Bengal Tigers, which sounds like <laughs> a great nothing paper. to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the Bengal Tigers sounds like something to do with India or Bangladesh, yeah. but it's Bengal Street, isn't it?
0: Yeah, Bengal Street in Manchester. You just you wonder, you know, what um what they would have called themselves if they'd grown up on on somewhere with a really camp name, or just, <laughs> you know the the uh, the gay meadow boys well, <laughs> well that's, that's Shrewsbury Town to be fair um, <laughs> sorry that was a football reference Darth I'll explain afterwards okay um, yeah so you've got these uh, these gangs springing up everywhere and the first sort of reference to the Peaky Blinders uh, is about 1890
1: yeah um, uh, I think it's the case that a young man uh, went to a pub. And he was he was a teetotaler, and so he ordered a ginger beer, oh, and-, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> and then uh, basically a, a load of gang members in the pub took took the pee out of him, and they assaulted him after he left the pub and beat him senseless. He, he, I mean, he went to hospital; it was really bad. He did survive, thankfully, um, but he had to have an operation on his head. And the incident was reported locally. Uh, there was no mention of the name of the gang, but a few days later a number of national publications, including one in London, reported that a letter had been sent to the local press in Birmingham almost claiming responsibility for the attack. And they said, we are the Small Heath Peaky Blinders. And that's the first, as far as we're aware, instance that the name Peaky Blinder appears in the historical record, 1890. Now it's been later, later sort of attributed to them, that the name comes from the
0: razor blades which were stitched into the peaks of their caps. But this um, uh, d- doesn't take much looking at the history to understand that that's absolute bobbins.
1: Yes, it is. Um, and I did hear this uh, widely circulated myth. And, you know, I guess when I first heard of the Peaky Blinders, like most people, when the TV show came out, I, I hadn't heard of them before that. And I and I-, I then heard the story. Oh, yes, they were called that because they put razor blades in. In the peaks of their caps and they would use them as weapons to slice at people's eyes to make them blind and therefore you get peak you know peak from the peak caps and blinder from the fact that they were slashing people's eyes out um, the fact yeah. that the fact, the
0: fact that they were referring to themselves as the peaky blinders in 1890 and the first replaceable razor blade system wasn't launched in the u.s for another fourteen years.
1: Yeah. And then the first factory in the UK another five years after that. Exactly. So it would
0: it would suggest that it's probably not true.
1: It's it's an apocryphal tale, it's a myth, whatever you want to call it. There's absolutely no evidence for the practice of, of you know, so that, that they sewed in disposable razor blades into the peaks of the caps, or for the association that they that, 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 that that's where the name comes from. And as you said, yes, the, 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 the timing just doesn't work either.
0: It's more likely that the, the the peak in Peaky is a reference to the the headwear, the sort of newsboy caps. Yeah. But the, the blinders is, um, and I would guess that there's a lot of our audience are going to know because they're from this area that if something's good or snappy around here, it's often said to be blinded.
1: Yeah, blinded, and I yeah. suspect
0: there's people around the world for whom that's going to be a new one. Yeah, I think uh, so. It's um, and the blinders just means snappy or smart looking or great. Yeah. So if I said to Darth, for instance, Darth, now that they've lifted the lockdown, how would you feel about going for a curry and a beer on Friday? And Darth would say,
1: "Yeah, that sounds didn't mate."
0: There you go. I'm glad. I'm glad you followed the logic there. Otherwise <laughs> that, that could have died on its ass.
1: Yeah, I should, I should a, have put. I should have affected more of an accent when I did yeah, it. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, so think...
0: doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The point <laughs> remains that was a blinding idea. So that, that <laughs> that's more likely where it uh, where it came from. And that, yeah, that, uh, and that there's initial reports of them obviously at,
1: at this time fighting for territory in uh, in Birmingham. Yeah. Well, they. um there there were other gangs, as you mentioned before, and I think that there was a, a gang that had established themselves a little bit earlier than the Peaky Blinders called the Cheap Side Sloggers. Unfortunately, I mean, <laughs>
0: you know, it's just it's a crap name, isn't it? Uh, that's, that's
1: what you're always going to lose
0: when you're up against someone who sounds quite stylish and you're called the Cheap Side Sloggers. You sound like a dodgy market trader.
1: You do, don't you? Uh, also, I didn't realise... Uh, now I th- come to think of it, of course, it makes sense. But I didn't realize there was a cheap side in Birmingham. No, nah, nah. al- I'd always associated that with the city of London. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess there's a cheap side, you know, because these place names probably come from the fact that oh, that area is a-, a bad area, you know, oh, it's cheap side, <laughs> and this is a yeah. nice upmarket part of town. Um, yeah. I'm only guessing, but yeah, but but yeah, as you say, um, the, the uh, name aside. I think the blinders basically took on these cheap side sloggers for, for a territory war. Um, but they were distinguished, I think, by the fact that they wore these peak caps and, and they were quite stylish. You know, they had the waistcoats, they had the jackets. I mean, I think the one of the, sh- one of the things the show gets right, apart from the fact it's set, you know, sort of 20, 30 years later, is the fact that these guys, the, the, the sort of quintessential sartorial style of the peaky blinders, I think they hit that fairly well.
0: Yeah, and the fact that they are, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of difficult when you're looking at all these things when you've got people in period dress. But, you know, they they were certainly, they stood out, and it's clear from the history that was written about them that they did stand out for how well they, they were turned out. Yeah. Because it was so unusual at the time.
1: Especially considering the fact that they were engaging in crime that was hardly gentlemanly. You know, these they they were violent thugs. You know, they were hooligans. They would they would. I mean, they killed people. They robbed people. They they did engage in more organised crime. Perhaps we can you know we 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 can talk about that. um, Yeah, well, well. they were noted for being involved
0: in um, protection rackets, fraud, smuggling, hijack, robbery, and the immensely popular activity as it was then of illegal bookmaking.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's one of the main things in in the first season that I remember from Peaky Blinders is is betting on the horses. It, it's, just, I mean, it's worth noting um,
0: off course because obviously you could, you could bet at race courses, but off yeah. course betting wasn't made legal in the UK until nineteen sixty one.
1: Yeah, that is incredible, actually.
0: Because <laughs> I am sure, I am sure my my, my dad, who well, my mom and dad do listen to this, He's going to be absolutely delighted when I point out that that my dad got busted. Um, when he was caught, <laughs> when he was caught making a bet in the late fifties uh, at an illegal bookie. Oh
1: um,
0: no! Yeah, but I, I, I think by that point it, it wasn't viewed as anything serious, you know. No, really he wasn't. was engaging in a proud West Midlands tradition. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He was <laughs> keeping up the tradition of the Peter yeah. <laughs> Well, my, my old man was born right in the um, the heart of all this in Small East, mm. in the uh, in the back to back stand there on Garrison Lane. So you, these, may to, these... you may
1: have to explain for our few international members what the back-to-backs are, Dave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're the historian. Please, please, please continue. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, so I guess it comes from the fact that it's... Think about terrace housing. Again, that's probably a, a term that I shouldn't have to explain, but, you know, houses that are all together in a line... Um, so, so we're not talking about a detached house, but where you're 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 sharing walls with your neighbors. You put on both of the, sides, yeah, exactly yeah. on both sides, and basically, so you've got the front facing street where you have got all your front doors, but you can essentially either knock through the walls of the house or over the gardens around the back, and 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 you've got a very easy way to avoid if the police come knocking at your door you can very easily dip out the side of your house through the wall to the next one and the next one and the next one and you could walk down the whole length of the street without ever leaving your front door because, <laughs> you, you know, you're so pally with your neighbours through the back gardens and, 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 and through holes in the walls and things. I think that's broadly it, although I should say I'm not an expert in this field.
0: Well, I mean, We're talking basically about the, the smallest of, of inner-city houses. Yeah, yeah. Really. And, you know, this is where these these gangs sort of, you know, this is obviously well predated my dad's birth, but this is where they thrived and and became notorious. And it's worth noting, and I'll say I haven't watched, I don't know how much of this is depicted in the TV series, but the Peaky Blinders developed a reputation for quite considerable violence. And violence not against just rivals and the police, but innocent civilians too.
1: Yeah, oh gosh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the things we've got to be careful about is the romanticization of the the activities of these guys, and and I think the show is guilty of that a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, you know, like like I said earlier, these guys are very violent, um, and they were notorious for that violence, as you said, carried out not just on rival gangs but on innocent civilians as as well. And and I think a lot of the local people were very scared of these guys in in the 1890s. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't like they were sort of running the city as a benevolent mafia, um, where these guys were respected more than the authorities. No, I think I think a lot of these a lot of the people who were living in Birmingham and the surrounding districts lived in fear of these these well, this guys. Is, I mean, this is this is very different to the sort of the gangs that came later, um, the, like the the Crays and
0: the Richardsons and people who. Mm. Rightly or wrongly, and i don't, you know i'm I'm not justifying what these people did, but there was certainly a view at the time from the working class that still persists to this day that you know they looked after their own and they went after people who deserved it, you know, mm. and okay, they were a bit naughty and did this wrong and that wrong, but they were generally on the side of the working classes and ripping off landlords or you know people with money, mm. basically. And that's not the case with the Peaky Blinders.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Um, uh, it, it seems a ve- it seems very clearly that that they they had no sort of honor code in that respect, perhaps among themselves, but certainly, you know, they weren't out to present themselves as the defender of the common man against the evil landlord or, or, or the evil, you know, um, industrialist. No, I, I think they were out to make good. Uh, to to make as much money and and to gain as much land and power as they could uh, no matter who got in the way. Uh, and it's no surprise, I think therefore, when you think about that that they didn't really last that long because they they almost disappeared as soon as they as they had appeared on in the historical record, hadn't they? I mean I think by the early 20th century the, the they had gone really. Yeah, I mean, by the
0: time it it was initially suggested that sort of the the start of the Great War was was a turning point, but the, the the truth is they'd already almost lost their their grip by that point.
1: Yeah, and and I think there were probably a number of reasons for that. One, we just mentioned the fact that they didn't seem to have a lot of people on their side, um, and I I know a local historian. Um, who specialises in Birmingham? I think his name's Carl Chin. He said Carl that, Chin, yeah, yeah. He, yes, he's, he's written a
0: book about this.
1: He, he mentioned the fact that um, Sir Charles Rafter, who was an Irish police officer, um, became chief constable of the Birmingham City Police in eighteen ninety nine. Perhaps already after the heyday of the of the blinders, um, mm. but uh, he, the the historians, um, Carl Chin, um, cited. Uh, Charles Rafter as one of the reasons for for the decline of the blinders. You know, he, he may have been appointed to the Birmingham City Police in order to put them down. And this was combined with stronger sentences for violence. Um, there were also changes in social conditions during this time period. More people were going to school, getting instilled with a sense of discipline. Um, sc- you know, schooling only became compulsory, I think, in the 1880s. Huh. So it would have had a bit of a time delay to to come into effect. Um, And and again, um, Chin mentions that on top of that, in many poor areas in Birmingham and and the surrounding districts, many sort of socially minded parishes started to set up youth clubs and particularly boxing clubs, which may, he says, have contributed to the decline of gang warfare. You know, so if you get some youth who doesn't have a sense of discipline and wants to scrap all the time, okay, well, we'll send him to the boxing club. So if there was something for these people to do, it seemed that they wouldn't go into gang warfare.
0: Doesn't it strike you as strange that a hundred years later we're having exactly the same conversation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I and, mean and exactly the same things are going on yeah. in, in a, although with a, a different group of people, but in inner city Birmingham and inner city Manchester and London with yeah, gangs. I think it, I think the story it's...
1: doesn't really change, yeah. No,
0: it's just it's different faces, same story.
1: Yeah, I think that's it, really. Yeah, I mean, we're we're a hundred years on, but if uh, if people haven't got money and opportunity, uh, these things happen, you know. Mm. Um, oh, the the other
0: thing that was uh, a big factor in the downfall of
1: uh, the blinders was uh, a larger and more organised group, the Brummagem Boys. Yes. Now, now, you mentioned these to me, didn't you? So, are they the yeah. are they the brum? Because brummagem is a slang for Birmingham. Brumagum, brumagum, yeah, Brummagem's bit local slang for
0: Birmingham for well since I've known. I mean, it's obviously got some some uh, history to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, being a black country lad, we often refer to Birmingham as brum, which yes. obviously is, is the children of brummagem
1: Yeah. And these, and, and so can can you tell me about these? Because uh, I think you you looked them up, didn't you? They yeah, were they are more organized group. They
0: were a more a larger, and more organized group who who um, they started a sort of uh, well, largely successful campaign to get rid of the peaky blinders from the city. I think they felt that um, they were small time, and the, the the acts that they were associated with some of these acts of violence were not what drew too much police attention, I suppose, as much as anything. Right. Uh, and they, they their campaign to remove the blinders worked, basically. And those who had become wealthy through the Peaky Blinders activities uh, left the city, moved out to the countryside. Ah, uh, yes. So that's where you get a lot of these sort of pockets around Birmingham, which always strikes me as weird when I read about... Um, completely unrelated to this, but when you read about Tolkien growing up in Birmingham and in, mm-hmm. uh, 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 where was he? In Moseley, that way, and uh, th- these places that at that time wasn't part of Birmingham. It was a village on the outskirts of Birmingham.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, and Sutton Coldfield, where I grew up when I lived here, again, that that wasn't part of the city of Birmingham as it is now and actually so when we talk- yeah it's a nice part of town and still is i think so
0: when, when we're talking about these people moving out of the city into the countryside they probably would still be in the city if it was today y- Yes, of course Because of course. all these places <laughs> have been swallowed
1: up now that's but it at, the, that's at it. the
0: time there was there was green belt between uh, these places and, uh, and brum itself
1: yeah no that's true and i mean i, I remember again from the show peaky blinders um Again, one of the good things I liked about it was their portrayal of the strong woman and uh, one of the characters who's played by Helen McCrory, Polly, uh, Polly Shelby, I think. Mm. She's she's the matriarch. So so you've got Killian Murphy, who's the sort of leader on the ground, but his mother plays a very important role in running this criminal enterprise. And once they start to do well in Small Heath, they get a bit of money. You know, Tommy buys his mom a lovely a huge house in Sutton Coalfield to, as a sign that they've made it. You know what I mean, and I, I, I that, quite I quite liked that.
0: <laughs> well, that's that. That is still very much the case today. I think if, 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 I mean I I used to work for a company who um who had a factory on uh, on Artillery Street in uh, in Small Heath, and uh, I used to have to go there. It was a, a they had a manufacturing base there, and okay. I used to have to go there at all times of the day and night, and there were some interesting characters around there, shall we say, to, <laughs> to say, say the least. least. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was uh, it was always always refreshing to get to the gates of the factory
1: and see the barbed wire.
0: Mm, <laughs> yes. Dick, yeah. 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 Oh, I'm glad I'm parking my car behind that.
1: Yes. Yes. I. I. I can. I can sympathise with that because I mean I went to school in in an inner city. Suburb, but uh, in a place called Aston, which is uh, an inner city area just north of the of the town centre. um Which, again, uh, I think you could describe it as an up and coming place when I was. Kind of... <laughs> good uh, you yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that uh, there were a lot of because the school was really good, and and so there were a lot of kids from Sutton coalfield, which was a you know middle class, a bit posh, if you like, um, nice green green belt area would would bus in and train into the city to go to school in Aston. Um and it was a it was a bit of an ordeal to make it from the train station to the school gates which were wrought iron and barbed wire and everything like that. Um so it was yeah um I, I, I can I can understand where you're coming from. I think we ought to pause
0: there for a moment and let to uh, the dealer recover the fact that, that you've clearly just described yourself as middle class because they they'd never have believed it. <laughs> Before, and, uh,
1: <laughs> they, they always thought I was the middle class one on this podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. To, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the wall over their eyes has gone. The charade is up. <laughs> fait. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs>
0: Forget the man behind the curtain. He needs to bring me more alcohol. We'll be doing this. Doing <laughs> job um, I don't want to be beaten up for drinking ginger beer.
1: Very good point.
0: Yes. So uh, essentially by the, the 1920s, uh, all trace of the Peaky Blinders is gone. Yes. And and their place has been, well, they left a the void which is occupied by a London-based gang known as the Kings of the Racecourses, the
1: Sabines. Yes. And people familiar with the show will recognise a lot of these names. Um, Billy Kimber was one of the uh, Bruma- is it the Birmingham Boys or the Brummagem Boys? Brummagem Boys, Brummagem Boys. So he's in there, and Sabini also, I think, um, appears in the show. But that, they, they, so what they've done is sort of weaved this fictional tale, borrowing from real history, um, a bit like the Viking show that uh, you're a fan of, Dave. You know, they've they, yeah. they've sort of taken things and and have represented the people, but in in a different setting and and. Are taking some artistic license. I bet there's plenty of people in uh, in Scandinavia
0: who watch the Viking thing, and have given up after seized a season knife because the accents terrible. <laughs>
1: there's no, there's no way he's Danish, mate. I'm sorry, <laughs> but no, he's from where? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember from I remember that from Ben uh, saying that Katagat is like. Would would be a body of water, wouldn't it? So there's no one living. Yes. no one living in Katagat. <laughs>
0: yes, uh, the bed in question. If you go back to our first season, uh, we talked to a Viking expert. Then, well worth a listen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Peaky Blinders are. You know, what should we say in answer to the question, Dave? We sometimes answer the question, so perhaps we should attempt to. <laughs> well, I think this one's quite easy, isn't it? I mean, they they were clearly from from all the evidence,
0: sartorially splendid. But they were just a bunch of cheap thugs, basically.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. They they were well-dressed, but um, not well-intentioned by any means.
0: Yeah, not this uh, romantic bunch of uh, people that have been portrayed on TV. No. Although it makes for good telling.
1: Yeah, do enjoy the show. But remember, real history was different. <laughs> <laughs> We're turning this into a public service. (laughs)
0: Remember, kids, real history was different. Yeah. Good grief. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we would love to get your feedback. If you want to say nice things or just point out all our errors, then please do get in touch. We are at HP History Pod on Twitter and Facebook, or you can email hphistorypod at mail.com. Thanks
1: for listening.